and thanks for listening. This is Most Certainly True, a podcast of Grace Lutheran Church in downtown Milwaukee. God's grace is for you, and if you're in the Milwaukee area, we'd love to get to know you. Please visit www.gracedowntown.org to contact us, find out about worship times, or learn more about what we're up to in Milwaukee. That's www.gracedowntown.org. Welcome, everybody, to another podcast of Most Certainly True. Uh, this is Daniel Bondo, a pastor here at Grace, with my classmate and fellow minister of the Word, Aaron Strong. How are you today? I'm doing wonderful. Good to be here with you. Yeah. Thanks for joining us with another podcast. Absolutely. And uh, what can you tell me about, um, I don't know, the, the strong world lately? Are you doing strong well? world lately. We are doing great. It's summer in the strong household, which means kids are playing baseball and softball <laughs> and basketball, and um, we're still trying to enjoy summer. And still get ministry done. So life is a little crazy and busy, mm-hmm. um, but it's good and it's fun. And, uh, you know, the only, I guess, bummer of this spring and, and so far summer is just all the rain that we've had and kids' games keep getting canceled and all that other stuff. Oh, yeah. But, it's uh, nice we can finally use the word summer. People are using it right. now. Right. It's, it's actually hot. It's late June. And uh, uh, and uh, it finally came. But isn't <laughs> summer technically not start till late June anyway? So it's kind of like I was just waiting for yeah, it right. to fall on the calendar. We were just and, antsy. Uh, right. Now it's hot. And, and I feel like we can't complain because we cl- complained so long about how cold it was in the winter and yeah. cold, cool and, enjoy uh, and the rainy heat. the spring was. So enjoy it, right? He wanted to sweat. Now yeah, you're absolutely. Sweat. <laughs> Interesting words because, you know, we talk about enjoying things and ministry that's crazy but fun. And um, I don't know if our book of the Bible is Jeremiah for today. And um, Jeremiah had revealed his own inner attitude towards his ministry. And he certainly um, showcases what we all are, that we're sinners, saints, right? He showcases the struggle even as he's a prophet of God. And I think that's one of the... I don't know if you call it an endearing thing, but it's at least it's an open world to us in this book that is important, you know, to say, Jeremiah, you might not be saying, oh, this is fun. This is crazy fun, you know, but, um, but he understood its significance and importance and, uh, and it drove him to press on, like, regardless. And it's a good model for us too when it's not always so fun. Yeah, you know, sometimes you read through some of these books of prophecy, and you mm-hmm. don't get to know the writer as well, the prophet very well. Um, and it's it's maybe easy to just kind of take him out of the picture and think, well, you were just a messenger. You know, life must have been just easy for you. you just you, you, yeah, you had a a message of doom and gloom from God and and punishment and judgment. But um, you know, we don't really think about the prophet and how maybe he was affected by it. But Jeremiah is different, like you mentioned, that you you get a, a good sense of where he's at and the struggle that he, like you mentioned, is going through, too. And and that's the reality. I think that maybe may, maybe this is a bias for you and, and me because we're <laughs> pastors, right? And we're in it. But but sometimes I wonder if uh, if our members or our parishioners, right, just kind of take the pastor out of the the look. You know the view. They they see him on Sunday morning, and and they think that this is all he does. He preaches a, the message, and and life is just dandy, right? Mm-hmm. And, but sometimes we realize that that we feel 
um, uh, you know, we have to empathize with our members and, and go through the challenges with them. And, and oftentimes when it comes to preaching, we first of all preach to ourselves. Yeah. And, and that message that, that maybe is striking your heart on a Sunday morning is one that has already struck my heart um, this past week. And, and so we go through the same thing. Um, and so maybe this is a good way for us to be able to communicate that through this podcast. But at the same time, I'm um, getting to see it through Jeremiah too, the, the challenges he went through. Yeah. One of the ways you experience this in the Bible reading challenge or just reading through the book is Jeremiah is the sort of the constant. Besides God and his word, Jeremiah is the figure that stays in the in the narrated accounts because let's 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 be a little i should be more clear there's some history and there's some poetry there's the Mm -hmm. there's the telling of god's word and there's some historical setting that we're brought into we'll we'll have to talk about that um but but jeremiah goes through we're going to see these years we're going to see years pass in front of jeremiah's eyes and and the different kings that come and go and the different treatment that he gets from those kings but all along is this word of god that he continues to proclaim in the midst of differing and varying circumstances and so you see this inner word what it's like for him when it's up with like king josiah you know and things are he's just kind of talking and but it goes south with the uh, the other kings that have a mixed or worse relationship with him and like jehoiakim and and zedekiah so um i think that that helps you helps you see a prophetic perspective again on life um all these things are going to come and go but the word of the lord endures forever follow follow this listen if we could just open our ears and listen so yeah it it brings a, a huge um perspective of the relationship between us and the word of god and and that's at the center of this entire book right I was just maybe to set the stage historically for this yeah. and, and refresh my mind if, I, if I'm off. Let's do Cause, it. Because that very well could happen. <laughs> um, but, but Jeremiah is prophesying uh, the north, northern kingdom of, of Israel is already gone. The Assyrians have come and destroyed them, right? Mm-hmm. And so now you're just left with Judah. And um, he's kind of prophesying towards the last number of kings of Judah. And it's kind of like the last ditch effort of, all right, get your act together. Right. Mm-hmm. One, look at the um, how the northern kingdom of Israel has been taken away because of the same sins that you guys are getting caught up into. Mm-hmm. So that should be a wake up call Two, God is sending you the messenger, Jeremiah, to give you warning that just like the northern kingdom was taken away, you guys are going to be taken away if you don't change your um, your, your ways, mm-hmm. and your attitude. Um, so that's kind of where we're at in, in history. And in fact, I think the end of it is the fall of Jerusalem. Yeah. Right. And And so the. Um, you have King Nebuchadnezzar kind of taking the stage and rising up as a national power um, ruling over Babylon. He's going to knock down the other world power at the time, which is the Egyptians, really kind of setting the stage for him to come in and now take over Israel and, and carry them off into exile. And that's kind of how it ends yeah. at Jeremiah. So you kind of have this, um, I guess I don't have a, a exact time period in my mind, mm-hmm. but you're in the last days now of of Judah, the mm-hmm. southern kingdom of, of the nation of Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of historical spot did i get that right yeah yeah. awesome what's if i can piggyback a little bit to some of those things um we have about a hundred years after the fall of the northern kingdom which is 722 then you've got the birth of both king josiah and jeremiah about the same time 
And so when Jeremiah is called as a prophet, you'll see it right away in chapter one. He's like, I'm, I'm too young. I'm, t- I'm 20, I'm 20 years old. What are you thinking? You know, but you've got King Josiah, um, also young. And then you have Josiah's sons and grandsons, you know, our, our kings that follow through this ministry then of Jeremiah that starts young, but is going to go through all these years from like, you know, six, six oh five. And you're, you're talking about the coming of Nebuchadnezzar and before then. So we're, we have all of that, those early years, um, of Nebuchadnezzar's coming to Jerusalem and things through, uh, a number of other rulers put in place or left behind the remnant that is allowed to stay there. And then when the last guy's finally like killed off, you know, then you have chaos and a governor and Jeremiah. What's interesting is Nebuchadnezzar says point blank, you can come with me to Babylon, Jeremiah, and I'll take care of you. Right. And it's not necessarily because, well, you've been in my corner the whole time, but maybe it's sort of like this from Nebuchadnezzar's perspective, but it's not from Jeremiah. He's right. a prophet and he stays and he stays in Jerusalem. Yeah. And then you get the assassination of the king and Ishmael. And this is all like getting closer to chapter 40 in this fun history and prophecy back and forth. You get into the Ishmael chaos and and finally they they retreat into Egypt. And so the last we hear, you know, in, in chapter 40, you've got um, Jeremiah in Egyptian cities telling the people we shouldn't be here. And everybody who trusts in Egypt, I said not to come here. I said to be content and stay in Jerusalem, but you wanted to trust something else. And so it, it it comes full circle with something important that you said that the message was you know this like this judgment on the people and you should have learned out of the fall of Jerusalem but you actually have a little addendum at the end is you could have learned from the fall of Jerusalem not to trust in the Egyptians right. and here's Jeremiah saying kind of like a how many rounds of this and one of the ways that that's expressed I think in the first five chapters is, hey, look at unfaithful Israel, faithless Israel, and now I've got an unfaithful Judah. You should have known better. Right. And that stands out to me because when am I living today? And I've got all of this written down and recorded in a, in a reliable book like the Bible is, and I'm, and I'm given the chance to reflect on how they abused their time with the word of God. And that same thing is staring me in the face, um, not only in the mirror, but also in our ministry to the people that, you know, it, it can be hard ourselves thinking, are, is, our, is the message of the Lord getting across to me with it, all of its urgency and weight and pressure and, and wonder and beauty. And is it getting across to the people we're ministering to? Because I am spoiled that I've gotten to see the record of history once, twice, three times. Now, now where am I sitting? Right. Are you with me on that? No, absolutely. No. <laughs> Book of Jeremiah, um, maybe, maybe a little Bible trivia uh, tidbit too, is the longest book um, word wise in the Bible. I think sometimes oh. we think, uh, 
like the Psalms is one of the biggest books, and it's up there. Mm-hmm. Isaiah's mm-hmm. up there too, but Jeremiah, word wise, is the biggest book in the Bible. I didn't know that. There you go. I, I just ran across that this morning. Mind blown. <laughs> Mind but, blown. You know, being this big book, if if we were to sum it up, and I I think I would sum it up with with a, right along the same line that you, you were going there. It's just this idea of of our unfaithfulness to God, and and that comes out in the first couple chapters so so quickly, um, in some of the striking ways in which he talks about um their idolatry um in ver- in chapter two um i think it was um the double sin that might have been it but I, I think it i'm just trying to find a description of how just how silly their idolatry was because they oh. they basically took a stone or a piece <laughs> of wood and they carved it and they maybe put some gold on it or whatever else and said, you created me. You, you big piece of stone that I've now formed into something. You are the one that's controlling my life. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's a striking way in which Jeremiah talks about idolatry. And it's like, yeah, how stupid are you um, when you follow an idol? Right. And, but then it makes you think, right. I don't know that I have literally gone and and taken a nice looking stone and carved it into an image and put it in my house and said, you are now my God and you're controlling my life and what I'm doing. Nor do I have a piece of wood that I've whittled out and and said, this is what I worship. But what is it in my life that are the idols that are just as stupid and silly as this Mm -hmm. that I'm putting way too much trust in and hope in rather than the God who speaks to me through his word and has actually created all things and is actually in control of all things. But what is it in my life that I am turning to and saying, no, don't trust you, God. I'm instead trusting this, whether it, I don't know, whether it's this medication or whether it is this bank account that I'm, I'm, I'm so concerned about, you know, with the ebbs and flows of the market. And is it going to be enough when I retire or is it this relationship or whatever it is in my life that they're the ones that are going to pick me up mm-hmm. and help me when my life falls apart yeah. and the ones I keep running to, or, uh, but then I'm so hurt and anger angered when they hurt me. And it's, it's just this thing in life, right? What are the things that, that we are just focusing so much on and get, get so wrapped up in when God's just sitting here saying, seriously, guys, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're just like these Israelites who are worshiping stones and pieces of wood. <laughs> um, and, and it's just, it's just interesting how we think about that. That's great. It's very, it's very Isaiah-like, you know, in the way he talks about fashioning this, you know, this thing in my hand. Right. Um, the the double sin is related because, you know, we're talking about a really key and important issue. If people aren't picking up on that already, because he he says the double sin is in verse thirteen of chapter two. He just says you've left the source of this living water, and then you've gone to make your own cistern which is broken and right. doesn't hold any water, you know, and it's kind of like the double thing when we, when we take, I think it gets penetrated by these questions God asks of like, what, what fault did you find in me that you left? How many other nations ever switch God's period? And, and you found some reason to leave me. Like, what was the reason? Did I, did I turn the lights off and leave you in darkness? You know, did I, you know, he has this reflection in, later in the chapter in verse 31, uh, chapter 2. Have I been a desert? Have I been a desert to you in a land of great darkness? I mean, what what's going on that you would... Which just reminds me of, like, all these things are are not subtle or, like, little sins that you're talking about. We're talking about the core 
truss of life, why am I not saying, Lord, I trust you. Look at all the good things you do and have done for me. I trust you. And there's just something, uh, well, of course, there's something about our sinful nature that returns to broken cisterns all the time and insists that there's something else that will satisfy or make me happy or that I'm going to look to to be like strong instead of just falling on on the God who doesn't fail us. And what led you to think? What about word and sacrament is disappointing to you that you would do this? It's just crazy way to look in the mirror and uh, and address that. Doesn't that just show the really the power of the sinful nature? Yeah. I mean, my goodness, when we think that we can just go through life without God, or, you know, just when we get into this thinking like, oh, church once a month is okay. That's all I need. Or, or you know, if I open up my Bible on occasion, that's probably okay. That's enough. I don't need... Are you serious? Because I know that I need it every day. And, and I just look at the people of Israel who, like, had God speaking to them in a, in a really special way through prophets and, and oftentimes through miraculous things that, that we could only imagine seeing and, and, and understanding. And yet they were still, you know, like people of Israel going through the desert with Moses. Mm-hmm. How could you be so grumpy and angry and, and turn from God when he did so many miraculous things right in front of your face, like the Red Sea or the feeding of them or, or miraculous water coming out of stones and whatever else it was, right? And yet they still <laughs> grumbled and complained, right? Mm-hmm. And we just think, well, if only I would have been there, I wouldn't mm-hmm. have been that way. <laughs> But we are, though, and it's the people of Israel here. You have you have Jeremiah. You have the examples of everything else that the prophets before said was going to happen and really happened. Oh, maybe we should believe them. And yet Jeremiah is here on the scene again saying the very same thing Isaiah said to the northern nation of Israel. And, and it's just this repetitious stuff. And isn't that the way our life is, too? Yeah. I mean, even if you come to church every Sunday, you still go through a week. And even if you read Scripture every day, you still go through an hour um, where you are trying to battle the sinful nature all on your own. Mm-hmm. And um, how often, even when I know the grace of God and rejoice in the grace of God and, and his love and mercy and forgiveness for me, that an hour later I've already forsaken that and turned to something else that's mm-hmm. taken me away from him. It's just a reminder how quickly our, our sinful nature works its way back into our hearts mm-hmm. um, when we take our eyes off Jesus. It's a trust. You've you've just summarized how much a trust issue um, and a faith issue this is. There was some quote in the confessions. I should be more accurate to say I know exactly where this was and <laughs> and what it said. But it was talking about how our um, our trust is like what is trust if you don't know what sin is. You know, then you don't know what you're trusting in Jesus for. Right. But it gets it gets its fuller flavor um, when you understand what you can't trust. And if this if there's something that Jeremiah and going through the different kings and the different reactions or the the consistent the persistent sinful reaction to the word of God that we see in his ministry and his own struggle, if this is not a lesson on what we cannot trust and and the God who nevertheless is there on every page 
calling people to be his and and to come back and saying i'll destroy you but i'm not going to destroy you completely right? right and finding ways to to show them that there is always hope for jesus sake not for their own not because they don't deserve it they do deserve it but god has still found a way um for them uh, to be on their side and to and that of course is jesus so it's a it's a wonderful lesson on trust going through this entire going through this entire book like this and very involving when you can say ooh jeremiah you sound like me in my struggle to fight my sinful nature my struggle to deal with sinful people you sound like me and you just want to throw your hands up in the air and quit and this is worthless i'm never i'm not getting any better and none of this is getting any better and to for him to like use the poetry of this and to open up his inner self helps us share the zeal of the struggle and we kind of find ourselves in that community don't we we find ourselves in the scripture community in the same boat with the prophets of people gone past you know the the challenges of a people to hear the word of the lord and that's that's what reading the bible is all about right and and i think you really kind of started going into uh, what i think is probably one of the highlights of jeremiah for me and that's that we're surrounded by judgment that's the main message of, of jeremiah change your ways judgment is coming right but in and scattered throughout this is the reminder that that when you turn, God will God will restore you. He still loves you. He's not forsaking you. But if you keep going down this path, mm-hmm. there's only judgment, right? But but Jer- Jeremiah 31, I, I think, is one of the 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 big gospel chapters, if if we were to call it one, in mm-hmm. in the book of Jeremiah, where it just does talk about how you, you've just heard a whole bunch of chapters of judgment, judgment, judgment. But now here's the gospel. The Lord is going to to ransom Jacob, redeem those from the hand of, of those stronger than they. You might be overcome, but God's going to still restore you. And he's it's just beautiful because he's pointing ahead to to the Savior. He talks about um, in verse 31, 31 verse 31, the time is coming when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel. And and how big and important is that? Because yeah. the, the original covenant where I will be your God and you will be my people if, if you obey my commands. Mm-hmm was a covenant that that God knew the people would never be able to keep. Mm-hmm. And so he made a, a new covenant, and that new covenant is a completely one-sided covenant where even when uh, the people of Israel are chasing after um, stones and wood as idols and calling them their, their fathers and gods and whatever else, even though they are unfaithful and adulterous in their relationship with God, God still says, I love you and, and will redeem you and restore you. Mm-hmm. Come back to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just it's amazing and it's uh the way that uh, i just love chapter 31 um the the love that god has and and have you as you've just gone through so much words of judgment in this book to hear that refreshing um call that yeah. that the lord sets before his people before us yeah yeah that's that's great to share the highlights because you don't have a gospel in there that is conditioned but right. you have one God repeats, you know, by nat- by the nature of the covenant itself. And you, you highlighted one of the great ways to show this to us point blank, that this depends on me and my, my goodness to you. There are, there are a number of times where God throws this out there and tosses this out there the way that he wills to be gracious and to redeem and to save for his own sake and not with conditions attached, not something that depends on you, but is something that he's going to pr- to provide 
and and anyone who repents enjoys it you know it's just one of the one of the great features of long gospel prophecy book like this is you're going to have both and they're going to have their place and their role and and you don't find yourself comfortless despite the surrounding judgment that you've been talking about you find yourself that there's a comfort nevertheless from God and I still hear it in Jeremiah. Yeah. So whether or not it ever got used, you know, or, or was appreciated, you know, there was just so few. Um, but we pray, we pray that by his ministry, you know, we know that there was a, a remnant preserved of, right. of, of people and the promise kept. And that's a wonderful thing to celebrate. Absolutely. Yeah, one of my favorite passages in that section, though, is uh, is 31 verse 34, where he says, I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Um, that's a that's a beautiful passage. Um, man, how sweet that had to have been to the ears of the people of Israel. Like you said, whether how many of them actually listened or not, mm-hmm. um, there was a remnant. <clears throat> a lot of them probably turned their ears. Um, but to, to use that passage, and I don't know how many times I've used that passage when you're when you're counseling people, mm-hmm. um, when, when people are confessing their sins to them, um, when you're just talking about God's love and forgiveness, that, that it says, that, I mean, do you want to know if God's going to forgive you? Here he says it, I will forgive you. And this is in, a, in the larger context where he just, in the verses after or before, um, describes who he is. Like the one who created everything, the mm-hmm. one who's put everything in motion, who's watching everything, that is me. And I say, I forgive you. Mm-hmm. And not only that, but I remember your sins no more. So it's not like God says, I forgive you, but I'm still holding a grudge against you because I remember who you are and what you've done, right? Mm -hmm. No, he says, I forgive you. It's like you have a fresh, clean slate with God. Mm -hmm. How amazing is that? That's why we know we need to learn forgiveness from him only because he's the only one that can forgive like that. It's amazing. And he gives us the clean slate. He he gives an end to the thoughts of of guilt and and certainty and peace and those are the things that we needed him or we would never we would never be able to move into a different or a free future with the lord where we could be confident of anything in his sight but how beautiful that he gives us another passage like that to just say i don't i I, it's like i don't even remember them and uh that's awesome yeah well some of the things that bring some wholesome beauty to all of this is to recognize in the flow of the entire book. We've got 52 chapters in the book of Jeremiah. Let's just, if you talked about the structure and people were looking and anticipating a chronological book, they're not going to find one. Right. If they're going to find something that they're hoping is like sort of topically, now we're going to talk about this and now we're going to talk about, they're not going to find one. What you're going to see is this messed up entanglement of a hard prophetic ministry and a hard-hearted people and a consistently, you know, faithful, appealing um, God, personal God, reaching out over and over again. Um, you've got prophecies that come to this. So it just, it weaves in and out and it's kind of maybe as tumultuous as it was in reality is sort of as tumultuous as it is actually on paper because it goes up and down and everywhere and it's kind of like a true to life uh you know outlines i think you've got you've got something of an introduction and you've got uh, like a sermon against the temple you know as as 
things got worse in his relationship with the kings in chapters like 7 to 10. You have a, a lot of basically before the fall of Babylon warnings that go through uh, a number of chapters and get you to um, those gospel ones that you talked about in 30 and 31. Um, we finish out the history section, mm-hmm. the main one, before you have at the close another record of like... Um, woes to the nations you know warnings against the nations which is so important i think by the end because you've seen the pattern here in this maybe in this like microcosm world of that is israel and judah you've got lessons for all people to be learning and one of the things that even is stated in chapter one is i'm going to make you a prophet to the nations plural right and here you've got nations brought in by the end of the book before it closes out. Uh, you've got the nations brought back up. Everybody deals with this, God. You don't run to Egypt and just get away from these. Uh, forget Jerusalem. Forget our history. Forget the Lord. Forget the whatever warnings we once heard. No, you can go to Egypt. You still have to deal with him. Yep. And then all these other nations have to be are held accountable for how they respond to God's role in their in their lives too. So I think it brings everything um, not just together for us as sinners and saints, but as a shout out to the world to say, you can't afford to ignore this either. Right. And then, and then closes it down. Yeah. Crazy. No, it's a, it's, it's an interesting book and you, you really dive into it and you realize um, just how relevant it still is today. I mean, Jeremiah is writing, you know, 500s BC and, uh, and, that's a long time ago, 2,500 years. And you think, well, that doesn't apply to me anymore. No, it's so, it's so just the situation, the culture is probably a lot different than what he describes in here, but the, the same issues and attitudes and problems, um, and the same kind of comfort and encouragement and support that we find in here is the exact same stuff we need today. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, and I've probably, I've probably said this, I, I should go back and listen to other podcasts right, that we've done, <laughs> but I, I, I probably say this cause I feel like I said a lot, man, how relevant is this book for what we're talking about today? Um, it's alive and, and active. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. One of the challenges is it's so long. <laughs> right. Stick through it, right? Stick 52 it, chapters, people. longest book of, of the Bible word-wise. But uh, I think actually, though, this one moves fairly fairly quickly. Um, one of the things about Jeremiah, too, is it has he uses a lot of different pictures and, and like illustrations to use as um, uh, to describe the, the punishment or the, the message that God has for his people, too. So I think that maybe helps us, too. We're so picture-oriented, story-driven people. That, mm-hmm. that I think Jeremiah carries more of that in his book than maybe some of the other ones. Yeah, you've got and you've got both. You've got pictures and you've got stories. I Absolutely. mean, it's it's narrated, it's action packed. It's um, you've probably got the a long gamut of a prophet who is banned from the temple, thrown into a cistern. He's beaten. He's imprisoned. You know, he's dragged around. I just think it's crazy all the things that happened to him in there and and get back up and do it over again. Uh, powerful, powerful reminders for us, as you mentioned. So. Right. I think he gives Apostle Paul a, a running for most running beat for... up uh, missionary or servant of the Lord. <laughs> yeah, huh? I don't know. I don't know. That's that's hard. That's oh, good. I think we're getting close to 1 Corinthians, or second, I'm sorry, 2 Corinthians 11 in our, in our Bible readings with this too, yeah. uh, which is also what I'm preparing to preach on, on Sunday. And so it's, oh, it's this section just that Paul just lists 
uh, you know, all of these these challenges he went through, how many times he was beaten and left for dead and shipwrecked and hungry and cold and all this other stuff as he served the Lord. And uh, yeah, to, to think about how much Jeremiah went through too. Those mm-hmm. guys are those guys are probably some of the more beat up and uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. physically abused uh, um, servants of God. Well, I pray that our our time together here is fruitful for, for people too, and and that God would soften our hard headedness at times, and also you know give us the the resolve and firm firm us up to keep going and to handle circumstances around us that aren't aren't hard, let alone handling the circumstances inside of us that are that are difficult. So, uh, what a what a great book! What an awesome awesome opportunity to consider the prophet jeremiah and the longest book of the old testament absolutely hope people enjoy it <laughs> not only that is it the longest book but this is most most certainly, certainly true. true thank you 